Come on, can we clap your hands unto the Lord tonight? Come on, he's the only one worthy of a hand clap. Would you not only clap your hands, would you lift your voice unto the Lord? Hallelujah, Amen, amen. Thank you so much for your willingness to worship tonight. Don't worry, I'm not going to be very long. I know we had a powerful moving of the Spirit, but I I, I was in the corner over here praying, saying, God, do you just want to let this keep going, or do you you want me to preach what I have to preach? And when when he gave me this thought, when he gave me this, this burden for tonight, I know I'm here for at least someone. I know this word is at least for one person in this house. And if I need to preach this message for one person, so be it. But I believe there's someone who didn't respond in the altar call right then. And that there's a word for you tonight from the Lord. And that God's going to do something miraculous in your life today. But I'm going to take you to the book of Matthew chapter 14. And I I do apologize. I'm not going to be here long, but I do have a lengthy scripture text. We're going to be starting at verse number 22. And while you're turning there, I give honor to Brother Robbins tonight. Thank you so much for all that you do for me and for this church. You've done more for me than almost anyone else, pretty much, besides my immediate family and besides God. You've, you've helped me. You've guided me. You've corrected me. Amen. I'm so glad for a pastor who's not just willing to encourage, but also correct. Because we need a little correction every now and then. Amen. I know. So grateful for him, for his prayers, for all that he's poured into me. Grateful for my family, so thankful for them to be here today. But above all, I'm thankful for God. Because I definitely wouldn't be here without him today. I give all the credit, all the glory and honor to him because he's the only one worthy of it. Amen. It's the only one worthy of it. But Matthew chapter 14, a familiar portion of scripture. Most of you, probably all of you have either heard it or some of you maybe can even quote it. But it starts like this, and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go before him unto the other side. And while he sent the multitude away, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. They cried out for fear, but straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered and said unto him, said unto him, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou little faith. Wherefore didst thou doubt? And here's the part that I want us to pay close attention to. When they were coming to the ship, into the ship, the wind ceased. The wind ceased by the hand of Jesus, amen. The wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. And so just for a few moments tonight, if you'll give me 15, 20 minutes at most, I want to preach to you on this subject, lessons from the storm. Lessons from the storm. Would you lay your Bibles down and throw your hands up and let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Lord, we love you. 
Thank you so much for the way that you have just moved in this service, Lord God. Thank you for your presence that you've just filled this place, Lord. We ask you to let there be a continuance of that. And God, we anoint your word tonight. Let it go forth to accomplish all that it's set forth to do. Anoint me tonight to preach your word, God, to preach to the person you've sent me here for. And God, help us to hear, to receive, and to respond to your word. And Lord, we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise and all the honor. And if, as you clap your hands unto the Lord, let everyone say amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name. And like I said, I'm not going to be long tonight, but at the same time, I do not want to rush what the Spirit is trying to do. We'll just have a because of the times type service. Amen. But in our scripture text, we read the disciples were at the climax of their ministries before these stormy seas would rock their faith. They were at the peak of their ministry. They were at the mountaintop of their walk with Jesus. They had just witnessed one of the greatest miracles Jesus had ever done that you and I read about constantly. The feeding of the 5,000. How many of you have ever heard of the feeding of the 5,000? This, oh wow, there's not many hands that went up there. I know there should be some here in the youth group. We've done that one in youth class a couple times. But the feeding of the 5,000 is what they just got finished experiencing. They just heard a powerful sermon just saw a demonstration of the power of Jesus like we saw just a few moments ago. They had their faith built and their faith elevated. They, they're strengthened in their spirits, amen. They had some good church like we've been having here lately, amen. They had some good church. Nothing could go wrong. Everything was going right for the disciples. Everything was okay. Everything was good. Brother Lee, they were having good church. They were experiencing God in ways that they have never experienced God before. Nothing could go wrong for them. They had rejuvenated faith. They had baskets full of food left over from the, one of the greatest miracles they had ever seen in their life. They were at the peak of the mountain. Nothing could go wrong, or so they thought. Or so they thought. All of a sudden, storm clouds would roll in, and the wind and the waves would seem to pick up a little. And soon enough, they would find themselves in one of the greatest storms that they had ever faced in their life. After just experiencing the great, one of the greatest miracles they had ever faced, they would now find themselves in one of the greatest storms they would ever face. They find themselves with the waves crashing, the winds roaring, pressures all around from every side, and it seems like they're going to be overtaken by this situation, by this circumstance. So there are those of you who started off 2024 with incredible strength, with unshakable faith, with unwavering faith, believing that God could do anything. But it seems as though maybe just a month in, you found yourself dealing with some of the same old storms as last year, or maybe it's a new storm. Maybe it's something you've never faced before, something you've never been through before, but now you find yourself going through one of the hardest seasons you've ever seen and been through in your life. The storm clouds are rolling in and the winds and the waves are raging and are beginning to crash against your boat. It seems this time that you're going to be overtaken. But you see, church, in the midst of the storm for the disciples, the one who changed everything would show up in the middle 
of their storm. In the middle of their circumstance, Jesus would come walking on the water. And may I pause for just a moment tonight to let somebody know that Jesus is still in control of your situation. Jesus is still in control of your storm. He's still in control of whatever you're going through. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 8 would tell us, Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. But we see now not yet all things put under him. Psalms 18.9 says he bowed the heavens also and came down in darkness was under his feet. We must never forget saints of God and people of God that he is always in control. That all situations, all circumstances are under his feet. He has dominion over all circumstances. Come on, I need some people who believe that tonight. No matter what you're walking through, no matter what you're facing, there is a God who has dominion and power over no matter what you're going through. Amen. It's under his feet. And so as we continue this story in our scripture text, we know how it plays out. We just read it. Peter would walk out onto the sea by the hand of God, and he would see the storms and the waves, and he begins to drown. Jesus saves him. They enter into the boat, and Jesus would calm the winds and the seas. And as I read this, Brother Robbins, you know, I, I've read over this multiple times, and, you know, I've just never, never really gotten too, too much out of it other than God, God's in control over the storms and the seas, amen. And that God can calm the storms and the seas. But one thing good about the Bible is you can read it a whole bunch and get a whole bunch of different things out of it, Amen. It's good like that. But I asked myself, what was the purpose of the storm? What was the purpose of sending them through this? I'm sure God did not create the storm because you see a storm is just a product of life. Storms happen. I'm sure Brother Daniel could explain to us the, how, how the weather works and, and all of that nature. I can't explain that to you, but I, one thing I do know, and I'm sure he'll agree, storms are a part of life. Isn't that right, Brother Daniel? They happen. They come. But he did allow them to go through it. Because you see, what they had to understand is that even though they've been walking with Jesus for a while, even though they had seen great miracles and great things, they had some good church. Even though these things they had ha been happening, what they had to understand is that storms are a part of life. And that not even Jesus could keep them from going through life. It's part of life, amen. Storms, situations, trials are a part of life. But allowing them to go through the storm wasn't trying to hurt them. He wasn't trying to beat their faith. He wasn't trying to destroy their faith. He wasn't trying to hurt them. But in verse 33, we find a purpose. It says, then they that were in the ship came and worshiped him after he, they, he calmed the storms. And I want us to pay close attention to this saying of a truth, thou art the son of God. See, no time in Scripture before this can you find where they got the revelation that he was the Son of God. We know that moment with Peter when he said that thou art the Christ, the Son of God. But no time before this did they understand that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. This was the first time that they ever understood that he was the Son of God. And it was in the storm where they found out. It was in the storm where they found out, okay, this is, this is Jesus, the Son of God. You see, the, the purpose of the storm wasn't to hurt them. It was to show them who he was. 
You see, it was to show them that even in the midst of the storm, there was a God who had dominion over everything that they would face because later on down the road, they're going to be facing some hard things. So by allowing them to go through this storm and letting them know that I have all dominion and all power, he was saving them down the road. It wasn't to hurt them. It wasn't to strangle their faith. It was to show them who the peace giver was. It was to show them who the way maker was as we sing about. It was to show them who the storm calmer was. Jesus wasn't trying to punish them for any sin that they had committed. He was trying to reveal to them who he was. And even though there was a storm, it couldn't stop the revelation of God from being brought. It couldn't stop Jesus from giving them a word. And let me remind somebody tonight, it doesn't matter what you're facing. It will not stop the word of God from being delivered to you. Because although the storm may look bad and it may feel uncomfortable, I can trust to know that there is one who can calm any raging sea. Even though it may not be the most comfortable time in my life, I can trust and I can know that there's one who has dominion over it all. You see, there are those of you in the house tonight who are going through some of the greatest storms you've ever faced in your lifetime. And the Lord has sent me here tonight to declare to someone in the spirit that when the storms of life come and circumstances happen and it feels like the winds and the waves are crashing in and it feels like you're going to be overtaken, let me, let me remind somebody there's no reason to be dismayed. There's no reason to be discouraged because we serve a God tonight who's in control of it all. Because even in the midst of it all, there's a revelation that he's in control of it all. Even when the winds are raging, the storms and the winds are crashing against my boat, there's a revelation that he's in control of it all. There's a revelation that he's my savior. There's a revelation that he's my provider. There's a revelation that he keeps me. There's a revelation that he's there with me. Storm, let me remind somebody tonight, the storm is not going to destroy you, but if you allow him to, Jesus can bring revelation to you through it. You may be walking through dark times and dark seasons and dark circumstances, but let me remind somebody, if you'll allow him to, he can bring a revelation to you, to reveal to you that he's the only one that can calm any storm that you may face, that he's the only one who has the answers to the questions that are bombarding your mind, that he's the only one who has the answers to any questions you may ever have in your life, to reveal to you that he's the only one who can speak peace into your troubled mind and confused soul. So let me remind someone in this house tonight who is walking through one of the darkest, most troubling seasons you've ever found yourself in. It's not going to destroy you, but if you allow God to work, if you allow God's hand to minister, there's a lesson or revelation in it. And I'm going to come quickly to a close. Like I told you, I won't be long if the musicians will come. I want to talk for just a moment as I close here about the second facet, the second lesson you can learn when going through hard times and hard circumstances. Is this all right tonight? Amen. I know we had a great move of God a few moments ago, but I believe God wants to do something for at least one individual in this house tonight. You see, the second facet of this storm, saints of God, is that it helps you to be dependent upon him. See, Peter would find himself in the middle of a storm drowning because he looked at the storm around and convinced himself that he couldn't overcome the chaos. 
See, Brother Robbins, he got to a point in the moment where he had this great faith that he was willing to step out and allow God to lead him, even in the midst of one of the most trying times of his life. He allowed God to lead him in one of the most complicated times of his life. But then he began to look at his own abilities and said, you know what, I can't do this. For a moment, he took his eyes off of Jesus and, took it and put his eyes on his own self. May I remind you who did that over and over and over again, the children of Israel. God would lead them time and time and time again. God would work miracle after miracle after miracle. And over and over again, they would look at their own abilities and say, God, we can't do it. We're only grasshoppers. This is the same place Peter would find himself in. And while, yes, it's true that our abilities, our talents, our insecurities can't get us through life, what he forgot is that it wasn't his abilities that was causing him to walk on his situation, but it was by the hand of God. You see, it's in human nature to try to take things into our own hands. It's in human nature to try to take things into our own hands and to lean to our own abilities and our own into what we can do. There are those of you in this house today who are walking through, once again, tough seasons and trying times, and you've tried to handle it on your own. And even though I may be preaching to maybe just one person tonight, that's okay. And because of that, you found yourself stressed out and overwhelmed, dealing with anxiety because you have had your hand on it for far too long. It's all right. It's human nature. We're human. We all do it. Boy, you must learn and understand is how to lean on him. I know there's some saints of God in this place who have been through some trying times and some troubling storms. And they said, the best thing, the only thing that got me through it was I leaned on him. I trusted in him. Because no matter how strong you think you are, there's still a necessity in depending on God. And I want to close with this scripture. And I know that this hasn't been the most dynamic thing you've probably ever heard, but it's the word of God and it's enough, amen. Philippians chapter four, we know it, we can quote it well. Verse 11, now that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned, everybody say learned, the whatsoever state I'm in, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The key word that I see here is learned. See, Paul's not writing this from his bedside table, just writing some encouraging words to some great people. He's not just writing this in one of the best seasons of his life. You see, Paul is writing this from a prison in Rome. Paul is writing this through one of the most complicated and difficult seasons of his life. But he says, you know what? I've learned how to be content because you see, it's not in my abilities. It's not in my strength that I rely on, but it's him. Because if I relied on me, I couldn't be content. And at the end of that scripture, he points it back to the reason that he's content. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I don't know who this word's for tonight. Maybe for one, maybe for many. 
But I've come to remind someone that there's a God who's in control over every storm, every, every situation, every circumstance that you may face. No matter what sickness you're dealing with in your body, no matter what turmoil you're going through in your mind, there is a God who's in control of it all. No matter what season of life you're walking through, there's a God who's in control of it all. And if we all stand, I'm reminded of Paul. And he writes about this thorn in the flesh, Brother Robbins. And he prayed three times for God to remove it. God wouldn't remove it. There's many speculations about what this thorn was. Some think it was his eyesight. Some, some think it was other things. There's many speculations about what it was. But he was going through a situation. There was a storm. There was a circumstance. But in the midst of it all, Paul would learn to say, his grace is sufficient for me. No matter what season I'm going through, no matter what circumstance I'm going through, his grace is sufficient. His grace is enough. He had to remind himself that no matter where I am in life, his grace is enough. And you see, sometimes we forget that. We forget that God's in control. And you see, there's times we have to go back to our old Sunday school hymnal book, amen. And I have to remind myself, he's got my whole world in his hand. Come on, I know it's a childish song, but there's such a powerful meaning behind it. He has my whole world in his hand. No matter if my world turned upside down, no matter if trouble's on every side, he's got it, my whole world in his hand. He's got it all in control, amen.